Do you know the first time I heard Courtney Barnett? Tell me about it. Okay. It was actually 2012, early 2012. I was living in Sweden for a bunch of time, pretty much the first half of 2012. Mm. I was listening to a lot of Swedish radio and I was listening to this cool radio station called P3. It was about 11 o'clock on a morning and it was on low in the background and all of a sudden I just stopped and on the radio I heard an Australian accent and it was I hadn't heard an Australian accent for about four months except for the people around me and it was so bizarre it stopped me in my tracks Richard Kingsmill here with you. This is the 2018 podcast. Max Quinn from Triple J Unearthed is with me at the moment. Good to see you, Max. Thank you. Nice to be here. So today we're looking at three new Australian albums and three albums that I reckon have a really distinct Australian personality and story about them. So, Max, that first time I heard Courtney Barnett, I just thought, who's this? Who's this singing? <laughs> it was so distinct. Just took me home straight away. They had picked up Lance Jr., mm. which had been uploaded to Triple J Unearthed. Yeah, it spread really quickly, and it's a credit to her as one of this country's, I think, like most intuitive songwriters. Yeah, and the, the wonderful thing about what she's achieved, so that's six years ago, and one of the many things that she's achieved, and not just personally, is what she's done for Australian music. And putting that accent, that Australian accent, front and centre on American TV, on European radio, where I heard it, it's fantastic. And it makes more Australian artists comfortable to sing in their own voice. And I think that that can't be understated either. Yeah. And she's opened a lot of doors, a lot of interest. I mean, Tame Impala have also done that. Flume's done that as well. But it's been good times. And Courtney Barnett certainly is a credit for what she's done for Australian music generally. So, she's got a new album. What do you think of it? It's interesting. It's three years on from the J Award winning debut. It's it's different, but it's not. Mm. It's got a certain darker tone to it. It's not a party record, but there's party elements. Yeah, she makes a conscious choice to rock out in certain parts of the record. But I think that you can also feel this like stick and poke kind of soothsayer quality come through in her in her songwriting. It's almost like she has become wiser and sadder or something. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of sadness there as well. She's a bit more worldly wise, obviously, now. Mm. She's been travelling the world and doing so much stuff overseas that obviously that's affected her outlook on not just herself, but I guess the view of the world that she's had. The album's title, I think, says a lot. Tell me how you really feel. Because when I saw that album title, Amer- you know, America came mm-hmm. first and foremost. It sounds like something an American would say. Tell me, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> And I thought it was kind of like a little bit of a cheeky stab at Americans and the psychoanalysis, which sometimes happens, especially in interview situations in the States. But I think she's been feeling a lot, don't you? Absolutely. And you can hear that in the real diagnostic quality of the songs. I think that she has really gone to town on thinking about how she really feels and admitting on this record that she doesn't know. Yeah, I mean, she obviously was thrust into the spotlight with that first record getting so much praise around the world. And, you know, she'd be the first to admit that her music is not for everyone and that some people would find her singing style different to what they've grown up with and what they're used to. How much of that, you know, the criticism and especially the social part of criticism these days, how much do you think that's really affected her? 
I think that you can see it in the songwriting. I'm not sure that she's someone who takes the critics on board and wants to change, but instead has that really DIY approach of, well, this is who I am. And this is what I have to say about what you have to say. And you hear it in that song, Nameless Faceless. She says that great line, uh, I wish someone could hug you. Mm. Uh, It's like you can hear her just biting back at the critics. And the thing about this record is because it is a little bit more reserved, when she punches, it hurts more. I don't want to in any way say that you listen to this record and you hear bitterness in her voice. No. But there's a degree of cynicism and sarcasm which has always been there in the way she's written lyrics. When she takes a stab at something, it's not a cheeky, you know, side-grinning stab. It's like, this is kind of hurt. You're not hearing Possum Jackson Pollock's painted on the sidewalk (laughs) anymore. Possum Jackson Pollock is painted on the top. (laughs) Not hearing that. Uh, She recently spoke to Triple J about the lyric writing this time around. When I was writing, it was such a kind of private process and I think I was working through a whole lot of things but I think there's always kind of some thought of of connection and that's what I've realized the more I write songs is that you you kind of have these moments of feeling like you're all alone thinking these thoughts and then people connect with it and come to shows and sing Mm. along with it and and you realize that it's a kind of more universal thought than you figured. This record, I love the playing on it. I love the band that she's got. It's a band that's been by her side now for a number of years, and I think that shows from the first record. The first record was tight. This one they've kind of let fly a little bit more in the studio, and I really like that side of things. You can really hear her shred. I don't think that I really appreciated just how good she is at guitar until I saw her at Splendor two years ago. I think that was the set of the festival for me because... She was just unwieldy. It was great. There was this real ramshackle quality to her playing. She plays without a guitar pick. It's, I, I think that she is one of the most underestimated guitar players in the, in the country. Yeah, I saw that show. I also saw her recently just before the album launch. She did a sort of a smaller show just to kind of get the gears rolling again. And she was really free and easy on stage, as she usually is. But Dan Luscombe is fantastic. He's mm-hmm. a guitarist who's played with people like the Drones as well. And he adds a real texture and quality to a lot of the music that she creates but there's those slower moments when i said before that the album is different but it's the same you had on the first record those longer moments like the preston and kim's caravan where she over about six minutes explores this really interesting sonic turf she does that bookended this time on the new record with the Mm. first and last track that kind of reminds me of what i loved about bands like the velvet underground as well Absolutely. Those bands who take the time to pause and say, well, here's an idea and let's explore it. Even hear it on like uh, City Looks Pretty on this, where halfway through she's like, we're going to slow this right down. And they pull it back into this like restrained groove, which is something that I don't think that we really would have heard on that first album. Yeah. Need a Little Time is another highlight for me. I think that's a stunning moment from the record. It's my favourite at the moment. It was one of the pre-release singles, but I just love her singing in the track. Yeah, the where she hits the high note in the chorus and you just, you really feel it. I need a little time out from me, 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 and you, ooh, you, ooh. 
don't want to put you on the spot, Max, but how would you rate Courtney's record, this one, to the first one? Better? Equal? Worse? Different. <laughs> it's a cop-out answer, but, like, I mean it. I think that it, like it's comparing... Like green to red apples. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm actually going to say it's exactly the same. In terms of if I was rating it out of 10, I would give exactly the same score for this record as the first, and I held the first very highly. Mm. So I'm really impressed once again, but it is, I would back you up, a different sounding record. So that's Courtney Barnett's new album. Max Quinn from Unearthed is with us to talk about three exciting Australian records and very Australian records and from three acts that came through Unearthed, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. This next act, Slowly Slowly, is an, is a band that we have been around for a couple of years now. This is their second record, St. Leonard's. I love it. This band, Ben Stewart is the leader. It's pretty much his baby, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. He was the drummer for The Moving Stills, left that band and started this project with uh, the bass player, Alex, and it's... He's really built an incredible community around his songwriting. The similarities with Courtney Barnett, I guess, for Slowly Slowly is the do-it-yourself ethic. Mm -hmm. These guys are so hands-on with everything they've achieved so far. And they've not had the success that Courtney has, but that's pretty much how Courtney's run her shop. Very much, yeah. And you feel it almost, um, yeah, I guess in the way that the community surrounds them in the same way that it does Courtney. It's a very Melbourne thing, I think. And for that groundswell to be taking off, and you've seen it with bands like Camp Cope as well, he just has a way of connecting to people through his lyrics. And whereas Courtney does it in that kind of stick and poke way, like I was saying before, this feels to me like Ben's writing his lyrics hyper-realistically. We go 400 words deep to get to the same point as Courtney makes in four words. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 he uses a lot of words. Um, but I also get the feeling when I listen to the Slowly Slowly album, he's looking big picture, mm-hmm. but he's kind of concentrating on one small aspect of life. And I think Courtney does that too. Absolutely. With, you know, she says big things through analysing little details in her own existence. I got to speak to Ben Stewart this week about this new album. St. Leonard's is the name of it. The title of the album refers to a town outside of Geelong, a beachside uh, coastal town in Victoria where his grandfather, his Sicilian grandfather, had a place and lived and they used to go there for holidays over summer. Uh, The grandfather recently passed away in the last few years and Ben told me that he was very much a glue factor within the family and he was a great personality and I think the family really revolved around him but also he spent a lot of time, a lot of childhood years and we all know what it's like in Australia. Spending childhood years on the coast of Australia is a really formative time. You get to see things in the summer sun here which stay with you forever. Absolutely. So there's a bit of nostalgia in this record, that's for sure. It's not like this guy's, you know, 50 years of age, he's in his (laughs) 20s, but he's looking back on his childhood with certainly fond memories of his grandfather and the place called St. Leonard's. So let's have a listen and see what he kind of thought about the lyrics that he wrote on this record. I like to listen back and reflect pretty critically, I guess, and just make sure it's... um like an honest representation of how the song was started. But then there's those kind of emotional purge songs where um, you're sort of struggling to keep up and you're just either typing or writing out the 
uh, commentary in your head. Give us an idea, Ben, of a Purge song on this record. Uh, Aliens was definitely like that. Stuck in the weeds with your concrete boots, bone bubbles with the carp, cause they're just like you. Introduced or reused and persuaded by price, sit behind stacks of paper like a democratic landslide. Unabashed, unashamed, safe on the island. Terra Madre, silent asylum. You still complain that you'll rent till you die, and you get so sad, and you get so high. And yeah, just all rolled out from start to finish and then the hard work was really just putting it to music and getting the music to sort of shape around it to complement the flow of the lyrical content. The chorus of that track, you get so sad, you get so high. Who, who are you talking to with that track? I think it's just talking about the, the tumultuous relationship with modern life that I was sort of going through at the time. That song was, was difficult for me to get to the stage where I was happy with it because I felt... In so many respects of my life, I was very lucky, and so who was I to kind of complain, I guess. But as it evolved, I think you can take from that a few different things. It's not necessarily high as in, you know, drug use or anything like that. I mean, it can mean that if you'd like it to, but I think just those deep pits and and really high peaks, I think, and just that trying to find a, a stasis between the two. What, what elements of modern life, because you also say in the song, you won't change, but you keep on trying. What, what elements of modern life do you look at and critique and feel like they're a bit of a down, you know, a, uh, a flaw in humanity at the moment? I always seem to come back to things like technology and, you know, living in overcrowded areas and stuff like that, just because that's, those are the sort of the pangs of existence that seem to gripe on me and I can't take them for too long. I think short attention spans and the shallowness I guess and I just I hate feeling like your existence is futile and I, I think that's why I gravitated so much towards creativity and music because it gives me such a purpose and keeps me really grounded and makes me feel like I'm working towards something but myself and others I think have all worked in jobs where you feel like you're a cog in the machine and you don't matter and I think it sort of circulates around that a lot of that song. So that's a little bit of the conversation that I had with Ben Stewart, the leader of Slowly Slowly. If you want to check out the full interview, it is actually up at the Triple J website. Just go through to the 2018 page and you'll find the whole interview there if you want to hear more about what he had to say. Max, how far do you reckon this band's going to go? Sky's the limit. I just think there's such a... I don't know. I get goosebumps when I hear this band. The groundswell that I have seen over the course of three years from Ben selling out the old bar in Melbourne on a solo tour to them now selling out the corner. Hmm. With this album, they have picked up all of the pieces that their first album, not to say that uh, the record was a misstep, like a misstep in any way, but like the bits that they didn't get on the first record, they've picked up here. Yeah, that first record was a learning process for them. I think mm-hmm. they've got more of the pieces in place, but I still think when I listen to this record, as impressed as I am, I can still hear the next one being better. Absolutely. And you can like, Ben has talked about his songwriting maturing and the way that he thinks about 
music changing over time and you can hear it the progression in his songwriting on this album it's you know even in the sense that these lyrics are written in such a stream of conscious way but there's such a brilliance to them the lyric that gets me in that song aliens is where he calls himself a corporate springboard with a western landlord <laughs> uh, i hate him for that you know? <laughs> <laughs> it is a good line there's a few pearls in other songs that sort of really stand out and you go wow that's pretty clever yeah yeah slowly slowly the melbourne band so we're talking about some australian records which are around at the moment max quinn from unearthed is with us um and the very australian records and and that's why I wanted to spotlight these three records because, you know, in a time when Australia is very much on the world stage and we're influenced by things in a moment, mm. you know, we don't have that isolation that maybe Australia used to have years and years and years ago. It's nice to go, right, Australian personalities still very much exist in the music making and they're making a go of it. Max, we're going to talk about one final record and it comes from a band from Adelaide. I just want to show you a book. You don't have to open it, but just tell us what the title of the book is. <laughs> the title is Greatest Musical Places of the World. I, I saw it's a recent book, came out last year. I saw it on the Triple J bookshelf and I pulled it off and, you know, I looked inside to kind of see which cities they talk about. They talk about Manchester, talk about New York City, they talk about Berlin. Big ones. There was only one Australian city that they talked about. Can you guess which one it was? You're going to tell me that it's Adelaide, aren't you? <laughs> I, I am. I, I was a bit surprised. Now, so was I. I love Adelaide and its musical heritage. I'm going to just detail, uh, you know, because this is very much where this book is looking at it from, but it did surprise me because... Melbourne would have been my number one. Melbourne just gives us so much fantastic music for a city. But Adelaide, it was talking about, I guess the history of rock and roll out of Adelaide is incredibly important. You had bands like The Angels, which came from Adelaide in the 70s. Jimmy Barnes grew up there as well. And a lot of formative cold chisel moments were spent in Adelaide. Bon Scott also moved from Perth and lived in Adelaide just before he joined ACDC. So ACDC have a strong connection to that place. Uh, later in the 70s, Radio Birdman, when they weren't playing and drawing crowds in Sydney, their next home was Adelaide. They used to tour there a lot and draw really big audiences. Then in the 80s, you had bands like Exploding White Mice, who were really popular on the rock and roll circuit. Then you had bands like Wolf and Cub. And now, I guess, in the last couple of years, you've got bands like Bad Dreams and this next band we're going to talk about... West Everton. And isn't it an Australian rock and roll sound? It sounds like home. <laughs> it sounds like the pub on a Friday night, and I love that. There's no other place on earth that has that sense of Australian pub rock dynamic. You know, Bad Dreams a few years ago and, and still going strong today, but now West Everton have picked the baton up from Bad Dreams, I guess, and are just feeding off that late 70s, early 80s rock and roll sound. Do you find it inspiring still, or do you feel like they might have been better moving on to another rock and roll form? Do you know what I think it is? I think that what I like about it is that it sounds like they had to be loud to make <laughs> this record, you know? Because you go to the pub, and it's such an Australian discourse to go to the pub on a Friday night and you talk to people and you have to talk over people to be heard and for a band to be heard and for people to pay attention over the top of that, especially a pub-sounding band like this... You've got to be really loud and really wild, and they are 
absolutely nailing that on this record, I think. And do you think that that is most suited to a place like Adelaide? I mean, because the opportunities in Adelaide are, you know, you're in the middle of Australia, so it's kind of harder to make a go of it. You're going to have a certain amount of anger of being born and bred in Adelaide where, (laughs) you know, not only do people make jokes about Adelaide, but there's not as many opportunities as along the East Coast and even in Perth to a certain respect. That's true. You see a lot of people moving from Adelaide to pursue music in the other in the other places. But I think the people who are from Adelaide are really proud of the music that they're growing there. The Heartaches is another example um, of yeah musicians who are Adelaide based, real big rock and roll bands, and who are owning the fact that yeah, this is where we're from, and we make loud music because we can't not. Yeah, and it's rough too. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, Adelaide can be a rough city, but it's got a roughness, the sound of the rock and roll too. And once again, you know, like Slowly Slowly and Courtney Barnett writing about things that they're seeing, not writing about, you know, things happening in New York City or elsewhere around the world. You know, talking about the friends, talking about what they're doing on the weekend, talking about having to move house. Yeah, Moving Out is such a good song and a beautiful way to place this record in an Australian context. Yeah. yeah. A lot of driving moments. I mean, you'd expect it from a band that has seven members. Yes. <laughs> they've, got no, they've got an artillery of musicianship. But the record is really impressive, and, and I'm glad that they finally put out a full-length album. They changed their name last year, which I thought was a very good move. Uh-huh. West Thebiton Brothel Party was the name up until about the middle of last year, so they've shortened it to West Thebiton. As their name suggests, very much influenced by the suburb of uh, Adelaide, which they've name-checked in their name itself. But the album, Different Beings Being Different, is another Australian record around at the moment well worth sussing out. Max Quinn from Unearthed has been with us. If you want to get on top of, you know, these are three artists that all pretty much came through Unearthed at a very early stage. If you want to keep in touch week by week, the Unearthed podcast is a good way of doing it. Yeah, we play you five acts and five tracks that you need to know the best brand new discoveries of the week so you can find that one in your podcast app of choice yep so basically you don't have to listen to 900 tracks like max (laughs) and the team have to each week you can just go straight for the five the five that they're spotlighted so you can subscribe to that but thanks for listening once again to the 2018 podcast if you want to subscribe i'll keep you up to date week by week on the world of new music but yep check out those three australian albums max see you again soon thanks richard